everyone say boo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but they'll be back. Uh, our next service is going to be the first Sunday in March. So next week, we don't meet corporately, but we will after that. And how many of you guys are enjoying? This is the first time we've been together three times in a row in a while. I, I'm, I just, it's just so cool that, to, to see us come together and to gain some momentum. And I'm just really excited about where we're going. Uh, lots of cool things you know, coming up and all that. Um, well, hey, I want to introduce myself. My name is Sean O'Rourke. I'm our senior associate pastor. Uh, what I do here is just whatever Jim and Mary want, basically. Uh, no, I'm our, I'm our executive pastor, and I lead our ministry school, um, as well as a couple different hands and different projects and missions and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I've been on staff here, uh, let's see, for, if I include, so I was, uh, I was doing uh, uh, the school, um, and that was the only thing I did for a little bit, and if I include that, I think it's been about 10 and a half years I've been around Zion. And a funny story, I actually, when I first came to, to Zion here, um, the reason I came here is because I had some encounters with the Lord. And um, I showed up to Zion to hear a guest speaker who I don't even remember who it was. Um, and I've never left. Uh, but I remember having these encounters with the Lord, and um, they really began to get my attention as to coming to a church like Zion, and I was a part of a different church that I love, local church, wonderful church, was in great standing, was doing a lot of leadership stuff, uh, and the Lord just began to intersect and disrupt the trajectory that I thought you know, life was going in uh, with church. How many of you have ever found that before? That the Lord does not ask you for permission to redirect your life. And uh, anyway, so kind of fast forward a bit, um, being on staff here, um, before, before I, uh, I was really doing much, um, Mary asked me to be on the worship team, and, and so I play guitar, um, and so for, I don't know, uh, the first year that I was on the worship team, um, it was a funny story, uh, I play guitar, and the way that, like, I don't know if you guys know this, maybe you guys do, I didn't, the way that these instruments are connected to all the sound systems here is through, like, amps and through uh, a soundboard back there that everything gets plugged into. There's like a million plugs. And uh, one day, we, we got a new soundboard, and we were replacing the soundboard, and the sound technician, uh, he's like, you know, unplugging, so to speak, all the old ones to plug them into the new one, the new board. And he's like, Sean, is this yours? And, you know, th these have numbers up here. There's, like, these outlets that have pod numbers. And I was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I plug into, like, eight. And he's like, this hasn't been plugged in in over a year. <laughs> and we found out no one was hearing me play guitar. The only way you heard me was from these, mic these, uh, these speakers that are for musicians to hear themselves. And the bounce of it kind of came into the room a little bit. So I didn't know I was playing for an audience of one literally for about a year. So it's a really funny joke around, around our team that, you know, learn how to play for an audience of one even when you think you're playing for everyone. You know, I read this. I thought this was good if you guys need some encouragement. How many of you found that um, God had to rearrange your life and he continues to do so? That it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your history is. God can actually use you in a powerful way in your life. So I read this. I thought this was great. If you guys need encouragement, Thomas was a doubter. Jacob was a cheater. Jonah was disobedient. Sarah was impatient. Peter had a temper. David was an adulterer. Abraham was a liar. Moses was angry. Paul was a murderer. And Lazarus was dead. Surely God can use you. 
Maybe that's too much of a pastor joke, but I think it's great. So what we're talking about now, um, over these last couple of weeks, uh, we've been doing a, a series, Pastor Jim has been on encountering God. And so if we can throw that slide up behind me, there's kind of four areas, the pillars of Zion. And, and this first one, encountering God, this is encountering God kind of transcends through all the other areas of life. All these other areas of, of, of belonging to a community, of getting trained and equipped for calling, of being co-missioned to move into your sphere of influence, it, encounters with the Lord is actually what carries through each of them. Sorry if I'm breaking up up here. It actually is the, 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 the common denominator of every sphere of influence that we walk in is that we carry encounters with God into those spheres of influence. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to lay a little framework here this morning. Uh, this isn't going to be a really like teaching heavy moment. You might not take many notes, but I feel like the Lord wants to reopen some of those doors of encounter over our lives. How many of you know he's not looking for you to be professional at encountering him? He's looking for you to be childlike. He's not looking for you when someone comes up to you with a story of encounter of, oh yeah, well, let me tell you what God was actually doing in your life. When someone comes up to me about, with the story of how they just encountered the Lord, it's my job to find the gold in it and the nutrients for my own spirit and the own, my own wonder of what God just did in their life. Instead of, oh yeah, yeah, God totally does that. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's like, no, no, we missed the mark if that's our heart. Our heart is when people are sharing testimonies of the Lord, when they're sharing an encounter that, 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 you've, that they've had with the Lord, when they share that, it is actually a test of my heart to position myself because I know that I need an encounter from Jesus. How many of you guys can think of one time, maybe the first time, maybe a recent time that you encountered the Lord? One of the most common ways that we encounter the Lord is we hear his voice. We're going to open up scripture and see a lot of different ways that encountering God impacts our life. But how many of you were at a place where you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus, or I'm a seeker, I'm not sure what's going on, and you, you, you have an encounter with the Lord where he becomes real to you? Not just once, he becomes real to you yesterday. He becomes real to you last week. Just think about it for a moment. Just, just take a second. When was the last time you're like, yeah, oh, that was just that moment with the Lord where he gave me that word and it just, it just encouraged me and he knew I needed it. Maybe you had a vision. Maybe the Lord gave you just a download for a situation and a circumstance, a solution to a problem. Just take a moment right now and just think about it because all of you hear from the Lord and all of you have had encounters with Jesus. So does everyone have one? Everyone think of one? The international um, communication of yes is this. International no. <laughs> And if you've ever been to India, they do this a lot, and it's really confusing. I've been to India a number of times, and sometimes uh, when someone from India uh, is tracking with you, you're talking with them. In America, we say stuff like, yeah, yeah, okay, uh-huh. You kind of give head nods to someone, just verbal, you know, non-verbal cues that you're... In India, they're like, they're like this. And the first time, and I have a lot of friends who are Indian, and the first time I saw that, I was like, are you understanding me? I don't know what's going on right now. Anyway, all right, so... Uh, whatever that encounter is that you're thinking of, I want you to go ahead and share it with someone around you. We're just going to take a moment. I want you to just share with them like what that thing was. What did God say? What happened where God just showed up to a situation, became real to you in a moment? It could be one that just changed your life, or it could be one that just changed your compass a little bit. Does that make sense? Okay, go ahead. I'll give you guys a minute. Go ahead and introduce yourself to, someone, or introduce yourself to someone around you if you need to, but go ahead and share. What is one encounter with the Lord that you've had that just it stands out to you.
give you guys another moment. If you haven't switched, go ahead and switch. Allow the other person to share. If you're listening to this online at home, maybe just write down what an encounter is that really impacted you recently if you don't have someone around you. All right, now as you guys shared that, how many of you began to feel the Holy Spirit just as you shared that encounter with the Lord? Like you began to just become aware of his presence by recalling something that he said or done to you. You know, this is the power of the testimony, is that when we actually share and put it into the atmosphere, we actually move into encouragement. Does that make sense? Some of us walk around too discouraged, not knowing that we actually have the power to put ourselves into a place of encouragement. And when we share that testimony, how many of you heard somebody else, you know, they just shared that encounter with the Lord and your faith began to awaken? You you began to to, to get activated, as we would say in in our Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry, which all of you should join. I don't know why you haven't yet. But... You began to get activated. In, in, how many of you know this? The Bible says this. It says all of us have been given a measure of faith. Did you know you have faith already? It actually says all of us have been given faith. And, 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 and what Jesus wants to do often is draw us into a place of activating those dormant places. And to say your faith is dormant is not a knock against you. It just means you have such a deep well of faith that you haven't activated it all yet. Can we just say that? This isn't a correction. There's places and wells of faith because we have, we've actually been given the faith of Jesus because he lives inside of us. So there is more to discover when it comes to activating our faith, activating that place in the atmosphere where we draw from heaven, that we're, we're flowing with, we're in unity with the Lord and flowing from heaven in our thoughts and our actions, our behavior, and our relationships. Amen? This isn't even in part of the message. This is all free. This is bonus. Well, I, I want to talk today about encountering the Lord and something that has shifted that we need to take hold of. How many of you grew up on an earnings-based system of some sort? So for instance, I grew up, uh, I, got, I got paid for A's, thank you Jesus. You know, my, my family didn't have much money, but one thing we did was that if I got an A, I got five to $10, and you get A's like quarterly report cards, you guys remember that? And so every, you know, my sister was very wealthy in my family, very smart. I was not as wealthy as her. Um, but I, I was always looking forward to getting those, to getting those report cards. And uh, how many of you, maybe like me, it's like you know it's coming, so now you start to work a little harder in the 11th hour to try to get that, that 10 bucks from mom and dad, right? There's nothing wrong with meritocracy, but that's not the nature of the kingdom. There's nothing wrong with creating systems of incentivizing behavior, but in the kingdom, it's upside down. It's just different. So why don't you guys open your Bibles to Genesis uh, chapter 8, verse 6 through 14. 
Genesis chapter 8, we'll have it overhead as well, but if you have a Bible, I encourage you guys, open up your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to buy a Bible. Electronic Bibles are supplementary, but there's something powerful about having a relationship with, with, with paper. Does that make sense? You can highlight it. You can, and, and do yourself a favor. Don't buy the cheapest Bible that you can. Find an expensive, good, leather-bound Bible that's not going to rip like paper in the wind. Get a good Bible. Okay. Genesis chapter 8. Here we go. You guys there? If you guys there, say, I'm there. All right. Genesis chapter 8. It says, after 40 days, uh, Noah opened a window he made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. So this is a, the context of this scripture is Moses built the ark. We're all familiar with this story, most likely. The flood came. Moses and his family got in the ark. All the animals came. They're in the ark for 150 days as the waters of the earth are just increasing and increasing due to these torrential rains to the point that the earth is now completely flooded. And it's been 150 days. And Moses, who did I say? Noah. Did I keep saying Moses? Noah. Moses was not on the ark. It was Noah. <laughs> Noah Noah, uh, and his family are in the ark. On the, uh, they hit a mountain. So it's been 150 days, and Noah, not Moses, is in the ark, and their family now, they hit a mountaintop. The waters are starting to recede. Make sense? After 40 days of being in that place, Noah opens a window, not Moses. All right. Okay, so verse 8. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could, not find, could, uh, could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent out the, the dove again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Then he removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. And by the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Here's his story. How many of you guys love these Old Testament macro stories that actually speak to something specific. How many of you love, I love these Old Testament stories because it's just, it's like Noah defeating Goliath, the underdog defeating, you know, the, the, the victor. We, we see these stories, did I say the wrong thing again? Everyone's laughing at, what did I say? Did I say Noah defeating Goliath? What is happening to my mouth? David defeating Goliath. Hey, you guys are in joy. Maybe this is all we're doing today. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> You're welcome. David defeats Goliath. Moses on the mountaintop and Noah in the ark. Wow. Yeah. Come on, Jesus. There we go. Okay. So this story in the Old Testament it's a really powerful picture of something that gets easily lost when we, when we read the Bible as the macro version of God's plan and story and voice. We actually see connection in different places. I want to fast forward to, to one part in, in the book of Matthew here. So you guys can open up with Matthew 3, and I want to connect something that is easy to miss. A few times Noah sends the dove out. And the first time, the dove 
comes right back to him. Didn't even grab anything on the way out. The second time, it, has a, it, has, it, it grabs an olive branch. And the third time, we see that dove go, and it doesn't return. Now, let's, let's open our Bibles to Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17. This is a story of Jesus' baptism. Matthew 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. It's really interesting. We see this picture in the Bible in the Old Testament of this dove going out and not returning. And then we see the dove landing on Jesus. It's almost as though there's this picture of the Holy Spirit who wanted to land on someone, was looking for someone to rest upon. And then Jesus came and then he came in the form of a dove. It's this picture of Noah, of sending out the dove over the earth, only the dove in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, was not inhabiting people yet. He was waiting for someone to rest upon, as though it's always been God's plan for that dove, the Holy Spirit, to rest upon our life, to rest upon the life of believers. So we see this dove missing in action until Jesus shows up. And now the dove isn't bringing an olive branch, isn't bringing a peace offering, he's bringing himself. You see, we're not built for visitations from the Lord. We've been designed for habitation with the Lord. When we talk about encounters with the Lord, moments become lifestyle. That that your greatest moment of encounter with Jesus hasn't happened yet. Did you know that? If our greatest testimonies are, are years ago, there's a problem in what's going on in our life. That your greatest testimonies are still to come. And you can have earth-shattering, powerful testimonies in your life, those encounters with Jesus that change everything. But I have news for you. He's still not done. That we've actually been created for that Holy Spirit, that dove of the Lord, to come and rest upon us. It says of Jesus that the dove came and remained. It says this in 1 John 4, just follow me here. It says this. It says that you have received an anointing from the Holy One, and that anointing is real, and that anointing abides. That anointing remains. That anointing rests upon you, especially when you don't feel like it does. Why? Because Jesus so fully completed the work of God on our behalf that now we're positioned as though we are the ones without sin. Because of the saving, powerful blood of Jesus over our lives. You know, Derek mentioned it earlier during transition that we're a new creation. Brian mentioned that, that we're a new creation. We have to break the thought that we earn our way into encounters with Jesus. How many of you know Jesus made himself fully available for you right now? Right now, today. You guys with me? All right, so I want to open up a couple things, a couple of things that impact what God encounters do to our life. So we see this, 
with Jesus that at his, at his baptism, we see Jesus, his royal identity was confirmed. That this encounter with the Lord happened that says, you are my son, with you I'm well pleased. Every time we have an encounter with the Lord, our identity gets more and more established in who he is. Every time that we have an encounter with God, we're building a personal history with him. And how many of you found that at times you might get discouraged? You might get disillusioned. You might get disappointed. What happens in those moments is that we have a track record of encounters with Jesus that we can look at and recall our personal history with God to reposition our hearts for the moment that's in front of us. You know, how many of you found that the issues of your life, God has solutions for? But he loves talking to you about other things too. I shared this story a bunch in, in, in our ministry school. I was going through something in life, just probably like 12, 13 years ago, and I just didn't have the answers for like what to do. I was at a crossroads of decision in life, um, and I didn't know which way to turn. How many of you guys can relate in any way? And, and I remember I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I feel like I wasn't getting any answers. How many of you have been there? You've prayed, and you're like, I'm, 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 not only am I not hearing, now I'm more discouraged. You know, Lord, are we still good? You know, and I remember leaning into prayer, and answers just weren't seem to be coming. And then one night, I had a dream, and in this dream, uh, this big lion shows up in the dream, and and this lion, I'm in the center of the room, and and in the dream, I knew it was Jesus. No one had to tell me. It's you know, and dreams are just different than the natural world. And and this lion shows up, and it's Jesus. And I'm 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 in the dream. I'm praying the same thing I was during the day. I was, does that make sense? Like what I was praying for in the dream, I'm in a dream and I'm praying, I'm doing the same stuff and I'm on my knees and all of a sudden this lion just walks right up to me and he starts, you know how cats like rub themselves on you? You know what I'm talking about? The cats like do this sort of thing? Well, he comes up to me and starts nudging his head against me and like rubbing me. And I'm like, I literally in the dream was like, Jesus, I'm serious though. And in that moment, everything just fell off of me. All the weightiness, all that, all that heaviness from, from the decision I was trying to figure out, it just fell off of me in that moment. You know, and I shared, I've shared this dream before with, with, with people. And uh, this one woman, this really prophetic woman came up to me about six years ago after I shared this dream in a similar setting. And, and she goes, do you know why cats do that? I was like, I have no idea. I'm not a cat person. And she's like, they rub themselves on you because they want their scent to be on you. You know, every time we have encounters with Jesus, he's doing something about establishing who we are. And first and foremost, you belong to him. And he's jealous for you. Amen? All right. I want to talk real briefly about encounters with God that give guidance to blind spots. How many of you are like, yes, Lord, show me my blind spots? No, because it's painful. We're going to run through this. You guys good? Okay. So I want to open the Bible to Acts 10. You guys can get there. You can track with me if you want, but we're going to have it overhead. So Acts 10, this is an amazing story about Peter and an encounter that he had with God. And it's also an amazing story about someone that wasn't a follower of Jesus that Jesus gives a life-changing encounter to. All right. so, So Acts 10. It says that Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion who was known 
uh, as the Italian as the Italian regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing, and he generously gave to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send me to send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner who whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants, a devout soldier who was with one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. That means he was in charge of a of, of hundred men. He was not Jewish. He would be considered a Gentile, someone not in the, the Jewish family of Israel. And he was also God-fearing, but he never heard of Jesus. He was someone that was seeking, but did not know about Jesus yet. Fast forward. Now, about noon the following day, verse 9, as they were on their journey, this is Cornelius and his men, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof and prayed, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheep being let down by, to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, replied Peter. I have not eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where, Pete, where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate, and they called out asking if Simon, who was also known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs and don't hesitate to go with them, for I've sent them. Peter went down and said to them, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men reply, we have, we have come from Cornelius, a centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Peter invited the men into the house to be guests. Are you guys with me? The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from, from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Sisera. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell, in feet, fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with Peter, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are all well aware it's against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. May I ask why you have sent for me? Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer. Remember your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. I'm going to skip down a couple of verses here. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. 
Verse 37, you know what happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism of John preached, how God had anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went out doing good and healing all who were, were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Verse 44, last verse, while Peter was still speaking these words, he was sharing the gospel, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. A lot of scripture. You guys still with me? You know, Peter was the one, he was the rock. He was the one doing it all right. He was the one leading the church. This is after the Holy Spirit fell upon him in the book of Acts. And he still needed a heart adjustment. He had a blind spot that God gave him an encounter because he had a purpose that that blind spot would otherwise block. Does that make sense? Then when we have encounters with the Lord, he will adjust, has no problem adjusting our lens. What I love in this story is that here's a centurion who didn't know about Jesus, but he was a seeker. And God couldn't help but rewarding that seeker. How many of you know seekers become finders? Here's a seeker who found more than maybe Peter at the time. That he had an encounter with the Lord. And it's almost as though this, is that Jesus was so excited to show this centurion who he's been praying to, that he sends an angel to go to Peter, who doesn't even know that he's about to give a great message to the centurion. What I want to say is this, is that obedience activates anointing. Obedience activates anointing. We see this with the centurion, and we see this with Peter. Peter got a, a chiropractic adjustment from the Lord on something he was seeing wrong, and then said, okay, you've sent these men to be, Lord, what do you want me to say? That God has no problem through encounters adjusting our blind spots. Amen? Are you guys good? We're going to keep running through this right now. I promise we're going somewhere with it. Encounters with God reveal God's heart to us and the nature of Jesus. The book of Revelation is basically one long, very layered encounter with Jesus. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. That when we, when we have encounters with Jesus, he begins to reveal his heart to us like he did Peter like he does in the, in, in, in the book of Revelation to John. How many of you, your heart has been changed because you encounter God's heart about something? Encounters with God are not something that, that's for the day you get saved. It's actually part of the way that God disciples us as followers of Jesus. It's about God encounters. One of the most amazing things, I love reading about revival. I promise, guys, you're doing good. We're doing good. We're almost done. I love reading about revival. How many of you guys like hearing about stories of revival? Maybe you're, you like study your readers. You know, the Wales revival, the Welsh revival was just a really amazing one. It's one of my favorite ones. And in that revival, it actually started from a group of people just praying and crying out to God. And they were crying out for a long time. Evan Roberts became the, sort of the leader uh, of that movement, of that move of God. And Evan Roberts had three encounters with the Lord over 10 years before he ever showed up in Wales. You know, God is not inviting us to a religious right to an encounter, but to a relational invitation to know him. And in that secret place, 
Evan Roberts began to build this history with the Lord. He had these amazing, crazy encounters where God was adjusting his heart. How many of you know God wants to do something in you before he does something through you? It's just true. Now, he can do them both at the same time. It's amazing. But don't think that God just wants to work through you and is going to ignore the issues of your own heart. It's part of the way he disciples us is actually with these encounters. So this Wales revival, this Welsh revival starts breaking out. And did you, know, did you guys know um, the, 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 the Wales revival was one where there was very little preaching occurring. It was a very a spontaneity, move of the spirit, characterized environment. How many of you know if you try to do that without the spirit, it's such a hot mess? Three-quarters of their meetings was music and worship. And it was so supernatural that the, the tendency for, for people, all the, all the pitfalls of a spontaneous moment, meaning someone might, who just needs attention has to get the mic and say something, don't be attacked, I'm not attacking you, relax. Maybe the other person who needs the control, like who likes to lead, is going to get the mic and try to say something. And there were all these testimonies in the Wales Revival of those people just being totally filled with peace and feeling no unction to do anything but worship the Lord. How many of you know it's supernatural? <laughs> I'm just saying, it is. And there was such a power. It was marked by this. It was marked by worship. It was marked by prayer and testimonies. It wasn't marked by speaking and preaching. It was so marked by his presence that people would begin to travel to Wales, and there's accounts of people crossing the, the, the border into Wales and beginning to fall on their faces having encounters with God. They began to be known as the place that if you want to meet with God, you go to Wales. Not if you want to hear a good message, not if you want a great prophetic word, although I love all that stuff. At the heart of encounters with God, it's about meeting with him. And what happened is they began to encounter this, this side of God's heart that most of the church didn't know, which is that God is joyful. That God is not just creative, he's a creator. That he has unique expressions of freedom that he wanted to release over the planet. And this, this Welsh revival began to impact other nations, and it was a, a, a lead up to Azusa, the Azusa Street revival that impacted more people than all the other revivals combined. But there was a revelation of God's heart through this encounter that God was good and that he actually was full of joy. See, when we encounter God, there's going to be elements and dimensions of his nature that he's trying to impart to us. Amen? Are you guys good? We're going through a little bit of a master class here of, of encountering God. The next part, the next slide, encountering God changes your heart. We talked about that quite a bit. Encountering God is going to transform our heart because we need heart transformation. Now, creative, it also creates a magnetism to God's word. Now, I'm going to paraphrase this for the sake of time. Do you guys remember the story? After Jesus was resurrected, it says that two men were walking on a road uh, to Emmaus. This was after the cross, and he was resurrected, but they were completely discouraged by it. So they saw this. They thought that like Jesus was going to die on the cross, and then like the whole world would literally, political systems would be turned upside down, and he would start ruling and reigning for them in, in, in Israel. Does this make sense? And so two of these disciples in Luke began to be disillusioned by it. I'm going to, Luke 24, verse 13, I'm going to paraphrase some of it and read some of it. 
He says, now at the same day, two of them, two of them were going uh, to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking to each other about everything that happened. How many of you know they were complaining to each other about everything that didn't happen? <laughs> As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them, but they were kept from recognizing him. How many of you know your complaints can actually blind you to the presence of Jesus? They didn't even recognize that it was Jesus walking with them because of the disappointments they were carrying from the moment. He asked them, I just love, this is, this is like sneaky Jesus. Jesus asked them, so what are you discussing together on your walk? They, stu- they, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopolis asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have ever happened in these, three day, in these days? Jesus says, what things? <laughs> About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. How many of you know their disappointment is blinding them to the very words of Jesus saying, on the third day, I'm going to, I'm going to raise, be, be risen. Just, just track with me for a moment. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb earlier this morning but didn't find his body. They came to us and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was, it was just as the women said, but they did not see Jesus. Okay, press pause. The encounter that, that, that other people had, that these women had, offended their heart. They said, well, I, I need to see proof of that. So they went, and they're like, yeah, this is all just too confusing. I can't get on board with what God did in you. I need him to do it in me. How many of you know that is a welcome mat for disillusionment in our life? And then what they do? They literally took that heart of what didn't happen, of what they thought would happen but didn't happen, what they misunderstood as God's plan, and then they literally turned the other way and went towards a city that was seven miles in the other direction. Now, this is Jesus, has to give a heart correction. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets, all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, as they were approaching the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. This is so sneaky of Jesus. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. How many of you know Jesus sometimes wants to be wanted? Can, can we just say that? He, he wants hunger is the currency of intimacy and revelation. He wants to be wanted. And so sometimes Jesus will just kind of stand beside us seeing what's in our heart. Jesus was saying, like, oh, no, I'm going to go a little further. And these men began to become alive by hearing what he was saying and said, no, Jesus, stay, even though they don't know it's Jesus yet. Are you guys good? Verse 30 When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. 
they asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he was talking to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11, the other apostles, and those with them assembled together saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. All right, I'll go a little further because this part's awesome. While they were still talking about this, okay, they're in Jerusalem with the others. Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened. <laughs> Thinking they saw a ghost, he said to them, why are you troubled and why, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. You know, there's something powerful. When we get around Jesus, it says in the scriptures here that their hearts became alive as he opened the scriptures to them. How many of you know, getting around Jesus, when we're having encounters with the Lord, how many of you found there's a new, there's a birthing of your desire to read the word? Not out of a discipline, out of I must know you more. Out of what if it's really true? Out of what if I read this now through a lens of faith, not through a lens of doubt? What if I give the Lord the opportunity to speak to me through the scriptures. When we have encounters with God, there's a magnetism that gets created for the word of God. Amen? All right, we're going to wrap up here. Finally, encounters with God equip us for ministry in the spirit. I know this is more of a master class kind of environment of encounters with the Lord, but this is an environment where when we have encounters with the Lord, it actually is what equips us for ministry. Did you know that? I like education, but that doesn't equip you for ministry. Hmm, maybe some divinity masters in the room. I'm sorry. I love education. I think it's powerful, but that's not what equips you for ministry. This is the last, second to last verse. Are you guys okay? I know we're going through a lot of content. Are we painting a picture of encounters with the Lord? Acts 9, I'm going to read this real fast. This is Saul before he was renamed Paul. Saul was persecuting Christians zealously and with passion, and he was really good at it. It says this, Meanwhile, Saul, 9 verse 1, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters of the synagogues in Damascus so that, he, so that if he found any believers there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners. As he neared Damascus on his road, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, and they heard the, they heard the sound but did not see anyone. How many of you know encounters with the Lord are very personal? That he has something he wants to say and do inside of you that other people might not understand. That's okay. Here's a situation where they didn't get the full revelation of what Jesus was saying to Saul because it wasn't for them. It was for Saul. You guys good? It says, Saul got up from the ground, but when his eyes opened, he saw his eyes could see nothing. So they led him by a hand into Damascus. Three days he was blind, did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. 
In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias and come and lay place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he does has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who come in your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Ananias had a decision to make. Do I, do I obey what God just told me to do that doesn't make sense in the natural? This is the only time he is mentioned in the Bible, but God selected him to bring maybe the biggest breakthrough to the, the, the New Testament church was the Apostle Paul's conversion. And he had a moment of, this doesn't make sense. How many of you found God? Okay, does Jesus make you nervous by the things he asks of you? Okay, that's Jesus. If he doesn't make you nervous, I don't think that's Jesus. That there are times that God's going to ask you to do something that's not going to make sense in the natural world. Wait, why would I go bless this guy? I'm going to go to him. He's going to imprison me or maybe kill me. That the deeper our relationship is with the Lord, the more that we're obedient with small things, with big things, with anything God's saying, the more that we're going to easily step into obedience the next time he says something. So finally... It says, verse 17, Then Ananias went to his house and entered, placing his hands on Saul. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. See, it was an encounter with Jesus. It was an encounter with the Lord that actually positioned Paul to preach the gospel to be useful in ministry. If you're feeling like, gosh, I just haven't seen anyone healed recently or I haven't prophesied over anyone, you know what, one, you probably just need an encounter with Jesus. Did you know that? One of the easiest ways to do is to revisit what he's already told you. But our encounters with the Lord is what equips us for ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Okay, how many of you have found it's hard to be passionate about the things of God in your, on your own? No? Okay, so you guys are just crushing level 10 life here. I get it. I'm in a room full of warriors and champions. I get it. It's impossible to be passionate about healing apart from intimacy with Jesus. Did you know that? It's not about you having a great passion to prophesy. It's not about you having a great passion for miracles, signs, and wonders. It's about you having a deep relationship with Jesus, and his passions become your passions. His heart becomes your heart. I use this example a bit. You know, my wife, whenever I hear that she's like into something a little bit, like slightly interested in something, whether it's maybe a restaurant or, I don't know, some weird thing I don't understand or, you know, a, a piece of clothing or, or shoes or, or, or just really wants to like go hang out with that person. They're just on her heart a lot. I will literally do everything I can to get her that thing. I will make the reservation at the restaurant. I will try to align, align that person to come and hang out with us. I'll try to learn about something that I have no idea. I have just zero, I have no idea about British baking, but I'm going to learn about it. <laughs> Why? What happens is this, is, is, that, is that I'm jealous for her passions to be made manifest. That our relationship with Jesus is not about reading the Bible because you should be passionate about it. It's actually about when I'm growing closer to him, his passions, the things that are on his heart become the passion of my heart. So that means that here's the thing. You don't have to strive to be passionate about things. 
We just have to seek after the Lord. And those things become imparted to us. Does that make sense? Are you guys doing okay? Okay, lastly is this, is uh, being a leader of a ministry school, so we bring teams out to lots of places. Um, it's amazing to see how eager Jesus is to give encounters to people. It's amazing to see how eager the Holy Spirit is to show up and be made known to people that don't know him. I took this team out, and I've, I've shared this story before. Uh, we took this team out to uh, an area in Franklinton. If you guys know Franklinton, it just, you know, it's a pretty, um, I don't even know how to say it, probably just a, an impoverished area. There's been lots of development there recently, but over the course of time, it'd be more of an impoverished area of our, of our city. And so a team, of, a team and I from CSSN, we were just praying, God, where do you want to impact people today? Where, where do you want us to go, Lord? Where, where can we go and, and, and see heaven invade earth? And he just dropped Franklinton, so we're like, all right. And one person in our group had a popcorn machine, like a mobile popcorn machine. And, uh, and he's like, let's take a popcorn machine down there and, and give away popcorn. I'm like, you know, this is one of those. That doesn't, I don't know if that's a great ministry plan, but like, okay. You know, it's one of those things that if you overthink it, you'll miss it. And so we were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's just go down there. So we bring this popcorn machine and we, we set up shop in, in, in an abandoned CVS parking lot that was closed. How many of you know, that's not a level 10 plan to impact people. No one's even parking in this parking lot. But we felt like that's where the Lord told us to go. So we go down there and uh, we set up this, this, this um, popcorn machine and it's like popping popcorn and we bag it all up and we just start finding people and giving it away to. And it was crazy. All these people like came into this parking lot. How many of you know, Moses was called to build the ark. He, didn't, he wasn't called to gather all the fish. The, the, if Moses, or Moses, oh my gosh, you just did it again. Noah, Noah. Oh my gosh, Noah. If Noah spent all of his time, though, gathering animals, he would have never finished the ark. Did you know that? That God will give us one part, and we think it's like 80% of the lifting, and God's like, dude, that's like 5% of what's going to happen. Just go. Our simple acts of obedience, we think, is going to change the world. It's actually Jesus showing up with us that changes the world. So we think, oh, you know, we're doing all this work. We're going down to this area. We're going to do all this. God's like, yeah, just show up. You're fine. So we show up. We're giving away popcorn. We're, we're, we're getting the chance to hang out with people. We wind up praying for like 60 people in 90 minutes. We're laying hands on the sick. They're getting well. So many people are coming around that a line starts with cars because they're thinking we're giving away free stuff. So they start lining up in their cars for popcorn as like it's a drive-through. So we have teams like giving, we have people on our team giving away popcorn to this car and the other, someone on the other side laying hands on their passenger and they're getting healed. It was just crazy. A couple people from the team see that on the corner, about 50 yards away or so, was a bus stop. And there's a lot of people there. So like, let's go over there. Jesus is probably going to show up there too. We're like, all right. So we go over. We got popcorn. We're like, does anyone want popcorn? We're giving away popcorn and just seeing what Jesus is doing and praying for people. And it's real, real weird, but we're Christian, so it's cool. And they're just like, okay, yeah, we'll take the popcorn. And one of the team members said, does anyone have, have pain in their body? And someone on our team had a prophetic wor a word of knowledge about knee pain. They said, does anyone here actually have knee issues? And this guy who was sitting on the bench, there's like eight or nine people around at this bus stop. The guy sitting on the bench is like, yeah, I do. I have to sit because my, my knee issue. So, so the team goes and just lays hands. In Jesus' name, we just release the healing power of the Lord over your knee. 
about a 10-second prayer. We asked him to get up, check it out. He starts, you know, just freaking out. And, and everyone around him at the bus stop, they're all amazed. And then everyone at the bus stop's like, oh, yeah, I totally believe in miracles. I, I believe in miracles. I, this, is, this is the Lord. How I many you know what happened? Faith began to be activated in their life through seeing Jesus show up. So this guy gets healed, and then the bus comes, and he gets on the bus, and all we hear is, like, the rowdy. Like, he's in there, like, shouting and giving praise to the Lord. And so we, it was just like this drive-by bus revival. We don't know what happened from there. You know, we, we've taken teams to, to um, uh, psychic conference and New Age festivals. Everyone gets serious now. Like, whoa, whoa. How many of you know there's no difference with the Lord between a bus stop, your family, or a New Age festival? He just likes showing up. We, we, we would take teams, and we would pray, of course, before we went, and we're not showing up cavalierly. We're showing up with purpose and intentionality, but we're also showing up childlike. How many of you know you don't have to be a professional to be a follower of Jesus? You don't have to know what you're doing. In fact, I would often say it's probably good you don't know what you're doing. Because there's a level of, of dependence that the Lord requires of us to be fruitful in ministry with him. So we show up. And, you know, uh, we, we, I'll, I'll, I'll give a, do you guys want to hear one or two stories? Okay. Real quick story is we show up to this New Age festival and uh, we take, we kind of break up into teams of two or three people. We're walking around. Uh, my team that I was with, that we saw a guy with a cane, like, hobbling, and, uh, and so we offered to pray for him. We're like, hey, we just see your, you know, your, your knee pain. Can we, can we lay hands and, and you be healed? Now, keep in mind, this is at a Psychic New Age Healing Conference, so they're, like, super into it. It's awesome. They're like, oh, yeah, I love healing. I'm like, oh, we do too. This is great. And so, so we said, okay, cool. Let, we're just going to pray, and we're going uh, to pray in the name of Jesus that your knee would be healed because he's the most high God. And he was like, okay, yeah, okay right on, you know, and so, so uh, a guy on my team just, you know, gets down, puts his hand on his knee, in Jesus' name, be healed, and the guy said, wait, I have back pain too, so we said, in Jesus' name, hand on the back, all pain go, in Jesus' name, he gets his cane, he starts moving around, he starts twirling it around, and he's, he's going all around telling everyone what just happened, he's like, these guys are healers, and we just kind of disappeared into the crowd, because we're praying in Jesus' name, while we're there, we have teams going all over this place, and we intentionally didn't set up in front of a psychic's booth. Why? Because we're not there to undermine their business. We're here to release the kingdom. Does that make sense? If that's their livelihood and business, I, I actually don't care. I, I'm not here to undermine that. I, I'm not here to fight some battle and show you that Jesus is king. He already is king. I'm, I'm from inside of victory in that. So we're walking around, we're prophesying over people, and God just doing so much stuff with all these team members, all these students of CSSM, just going around, and, and, uh, and me and the guy I was with, after like 35, 40 minutes of praying for people, um, we just, we, we were like, we were hungry, so we, we found a smoothie um, kiosk where they're making smoothies, and we're just in line, and you know, I was looking forward to like a nice like orange mango smoothie, he wanted a strawberry, and we're just, you know, we're talking about kind of smoothies we're about to get. And this, this, this guy uh, behind us, him and his, uh, his wife, they have a little kid. They start just conversating with us. Like, oh, did you go to these guys? These guys are really accurate. And we're like, no, we didn't, you know. And, and talking about psychics. Did you go over here? They're really good. And I was like, oh, no, we're, we're not. Yeah, yeah, we're, no, we're not. And, they're like, and they were like, what are you guys here for? We're like, oh, we're actually giving readings. And, and he's like, oh, you guys, okay, cool, who are you with? And we're like, oh, well, yeah, we're actually with a local church. It's awesome. 
and, and, and we're telling him about what God has been doing. We're sharing testimonies with him. And by this time, I have my orange mango smoothie. Heaven is invading earth in my life. And, and, and we get done, and he's, he's behind us, and he's, we're like, hey, we can, give you, we can give you a reading too. He's like, for free? And we're like, yeah, for free. So his family gets their stuff. They come aside to this, 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 this area next to this smoothie kiosk. And me and my friend, we just start praying where I say, hey, we're just going to hear from the Lord. His name is Jesus. And he has good things to say about you. Is that okay that we lay hands on you? And we just begin to share what, what God has to say about you. And he's like, yeah, totally fine. Almost forgetting that we're Christians is amazing. So we lay, we lay hands and we start prophesying and just, just speaking over him, some things that are occurring in his life, some secrets of his heart, some things that God is just moving powerfully in. And we prophesied about who he is and about who he's becoming. And his, we get done. And, uh, and his wife, as soon as we get done, his wife looks at us and she goes, do him next, talking to their kid. So we were like, yeah, no problem. So we like, you know, praying and, and, and then we pray for her and, and we were prophesying over her. And it's something really powerful that happened at the end. They said, um, they looked at one another and they said, wow, it's really different on this side, isn't it? Now, we weren't dictarian. We're on the side of light and of life. They discerned it. They, they recognized the encounter that God was giving them. So much so that they're like, what church you guys go to? We want to come and be part of it. I'm like, yeah, here you go. Yeah, we're, you know, come on. You don't have to come to a church, but dude, you're totally welcome. Come. Get connected. Why am I saying this? Because Jesus, it's easy to encounter him. He longs for us to encounter him. It's not about shika baba the right thing. It's not about getting all of your, your Bible, your worship music, your whatever lined up all in front of you. Those are good things, but God just wants to encounter you because he loves you. God just wants to bring transformation because he loves you. So why don't you guys stand? I want to do this. If you're in the room and you, you, you say, hey, like, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm tired of living life on my own. I'm tired of just going about without having an encounter with Jesus. I know he's been tugging at my heart. I want you to just raise your hand right now. If you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to have an encounter with Jesus right now that will change my life for, for eternity. If that's you in the room, can you guys just raise your hand in the air real high so I can see you? If you're online, just go ahead and type that in. I see you. Thank you. Come on, Jesus. Who else? Anyone else in the room right now? Church, just begin to pray. Just, Lord, we just thank you, God, for what you're doing. Anyone else in the room right now who says, you know, I don't want to go another day without knowing this Jesus, without knowing that my life is secure, that my, my eternal life has been paid for, that I can be cleansed and, and forgiven of all my sin and even be healed of all my diseases, all of my stuff. If that's you in the room, you're saying, today's the day, I'm not leaving here without knowing Jesus, without knowing that I know him, without giving my life to him, inviting him right now just to come and settle the issue of lordship in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand in the air. I'm just gonna give